Welcome back to Stories from the Ashes, where we pontificate on good books and the stories that define and refine us. I'm your host, Amber, here with Amanda, and today our guest is Talia, who runs Embrace Books in Michigan and the Enchanted Library podcast. Is that correct? It is. All right. Welcome. Do you want to tell us a little bit just about who you are and if you have kids, if you homeschool, if you don't, what your your little elevator pitch on yourself is? Sure. Uh, so I'm Talia. I am the executive director of Embrace Books, which uh, we'll talk about a little bit here. Uh, I run a podcast called The Enchanted Library, and I do read aloud stories there. I am a homeschooling mom of three kids, um, and then I also do various other um, business and hobby things on the side because I'm not busy enough. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So Embrace Books is a free bookstore. Is that how you would describe it? Yes. We work just like a bookstore. Uh, so you would come in and you would shop, but the uh, the books are all free. We, we won't charge anything on the way out. That's awesome. How many books do you guys give away in a year? Uh, annually, we give away over 50,000 books, although we don't require specific numbers of books. So that's an average. It's probably on the low end of things. Do you keep track of how many are kids books versus adult books? We don't. We uh, make sure that the process is very equitable and very, um, oh, I don't know what the word would be, Um, but it's a very um, good process for everybody who walks in. So we don't ask, can you afford a book? We don't ask, how did you get here? How expensive is your car? What's in your bank account? We just want to put books into people's hands. So we don't ask any particular demographic questions. We don't ask to see what books they're taking when they leave. Some people are excited to show us. Some people just would prefer to keep those interests private. So we don't um, we don't have specific numbers, but I would say it's probably pretty equal, half and half between adults and children's books. Very cool. So, so I'm sure that even though you're not keeping track, you, as you're refilling the shelves, get to see some of what has been taken. So this this question, I um. I'll tell you why I'm asking this. So we had a podcast a few weeks ago that we recorded and a local to Iowa librarian said that the books that get checked out the most in their library are Amish romances. So I'm just wondering if there's a specific genre of books that you find leave the shelves the most often for your neck of the woods. So it actually changes every time that we're open. Some days it's cookbooks that are very popular. Amish romance readers tend to read all Amish romance. They're not as particular maybe as some uh, other genres. So they'll just come in and they'll just clear off the shelf. So that happens. Sometimes sometimes it's kids' chapter books. Right now we're really short on uh, curriculum because a lot of people are Mm -hmm. choosing to homeschool or to supplement what Mm -hmm. their kids are doing in school. So it really does change from week to week. We can never really predict what's going to be the most popular thing. So, so I, I probably jumped the gun and just went straight into wanting to know about the yeah. books just because I was curious. But how did you get started with this project? Like this is basically a large scale version of the Little Free Library and a lot of little kids dreams to run something like this if you're a literary lover. So where did this even come from? Did you just wake up one day and you're like, I'm just going to give away books at an epic number? 
So my husband actually asked me uh, many years ago, eight years ago now, what would you do if you didn't have to get paid for it? Like, what would you do? What do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I really, really want to give books away. Like, that's just, I, I want people to love books as much as I love books. So he said, okay, go do it. So that's I awesome. had a partnership with a local church. They gave me some space in their building. And I said, hey, I want to do a small book drive. We're going to give some books away. Uh, we collected about a thousand books, opened our doors and it's just grown from year over year. Now we have 15,000 books on our shelves and we are open twice a month. We see four to 500 people every month wow. through the doors. And yeah, we had no idea that it would grow to such a thing. We're about 3,500 square feet, which is a very large space now. And it takes 10 to 15 volunteers at a time to be able to run and do our operations. Yeah. So is it still in the church or did you move to another location? So we are still um, being housed um, by a church. They've been very gracious to us and our organization by giving us space rent-free, which is great because we could not do what we do because obviously mm -hmm. everything is free. So we don't have any kind of income coming in. All our volunteers give their time uh, to this. So we're grateful for that space. Hopefully our next move in the next year or two is to find space of our own and funding for that so we can expand a little bit more. I'm just, I'm just sitting here in awe. Like I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to have large pauses in between my thoughts. I'm just like, oh, that's incredible. <laughs> that's the dream. <laughs> so where do all your books come from? They don't just materialize, materialize out of nowhere. Yeah, it's a great question. 90% of our donations come in from individuals within our community. So in our, our greater community, there's about two to three counties with two to three large cities that kind of all participate, although we've had people come from four and six and eight hours away to come and see us. So most of those do come from individual donors, either clearing out their shelves or family members. We do have partnerships with some of our local libraries and our um, and a couple of our school systems so that when they do weed their collections to make space for new things, if they don't sell it at a book sale or they give it away to their students, they'll send those over to us as well. So especially our curriculum and a lot of the classroom sets um, and a lot of the kids' books come um, the, from that, those sources as well. Do you find that some people use it as almost like a recycling program? Like they'll come and they'll get books and read them. And then the next time you're open, they'll come and return those books and get new ones? Some do. Um, we do have some families that do that. But I would say probably 80 to 90% of the books that we give away don't come back to us. So all of our books are actually stamped on the inside cover that they're not for resale, that they're coming from mm -hmm. us. Um, you know, we're not doing this to get anybody rich, uh, for anybody to go and often sell things. And so when we get books in as donations, we're able to look and see, is this something that's come from us before? Mm -hmm. um, most of the books go out and they stay out. But we do have some families that do use it as a resource. You know, their kids are super into babysitter club books. So they'll come and they'll find all the books. And then a year later, the kid no longer likes those. So mm -hmm. they'll bring them back and they're able to kind of uh, continually feed those, those kids' appetites and desires. That's great. So what have you learned from the process of running this? If somebody else was like, oh, that sounds great. I'd like to try something like that. What what would be some tips that you would give them? Well, uh, I actually asked advice from somebody else who was doing this when we first started. I wanted business plans and I wanted strategic plans and I wanted like all the details. And they they gave the, the one piece of advice they said, they said, get some books and give them away. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's mm -hmm. all you have to do. Now, obviously, there is a lot more that goes into it than mm -hmm. that. 
But I mean, that is really the advice that I could give someone is you, your passion doesn't have to look like my passion. I devote a lot of, a lot of time at this point, it's all unpaid time uh, into this endeavor. And so not everybody has those same opportunities, Right. but even something like a little free library in your neighborhood or at the school in your neighborhood, or maybe, you know, a business that might be willing to put something up there. Like there are opportunities for everyone to be involved, but it doesn't always have to look the same. That's beautiful. One of our neighbors around the corner just put up a little free library and it's the first one within walking distance. And I'm so excited to just be helping to keep it full. So this this is still just such a large scale of that. I definitely plan to come and visit. <laughs> I just want to stand and bask and I'll be like, oh, this is amazing. It's a little bit like Christmas when you walk in the first time. Yeah, I bet. So do you find that most of your patrons come in and just browse by themselves and know what they want? Or do you have opportunity to uh, steer them towards specific books that you think they may be interested in? Is it one of those things where you get to know the people because they've come so often or is just everybody a stranger? So we do have some people that are regulars. You know, we see them every time we open up um, or, you know, once every few months they'll come in and they'll load up with books and then they'll go. We do loosely organize our books. So our books are all organized by genre, but we give away so many books every time that we're open. We don't keep a, a detailed inventory. So mm-hmm. two to 3,000 books fly off the shelves in less than eight hours. So we generally have the genres. So we do keep a staff recommendation shelf. So all our volunteers can say, I loved this book and someone else needs to read it. Uh-huh. Um, so we do keep a shelf of those. And as we get to know people too, generally what will happen is our regular volunteers will be working with books and they'll see a book that they love. And then they have to go around to all the other volunteers. Do you like this genre? (laughs) Have you read this book? You need to read this book. And that extends to some of our regular patrons as well. Just wanting to share those books. Some people are open to hearing those recommendations and some people know what they like or they have a specific thing or, you know, a specific genre that they're looking for or, or specific focus they're moving towards. So if you don't have an inventory list, do you ever have books that don't fly off the shelves and that you just have to, I mean, do you see them over and over again and then have to do something else with them or do, does everything keep moving? So that's a great question. We do keep track a little bit. We do have an inventory system in in which we know approximately how long books have been on the shelves. So most books go out really quickly. Um, Those that don't move as quickly do end up either in little free library boxes which we actually provide stewards with a box just of, of various kinds and genres of books. They can come in and get a box to do their restocking and then bring it back empty and we'll give them a new one. So they do all end up going out. They just don't always go out at a particular time. So they might end up on display. They might go with us to a community event um, where other people have the opportunity to, to see and access those books. What kind of community events do you do? We do a lot of literacy events with the local school system. Uh, So a lot of the elementary schools will have us in when they do uh, March, which is literacy month. We've also uh, done a number of community festivals. We're at a big art festival every summer as well. Just opportunities that we have when we have the volunteers available just to get out into the community, being that we're all volunteers and we make no money. Our marketing budget is very small and practically non-existent. So being able to get out into the community and kind of introduce ourselves and finding out how we can support 
other organizations and people in the community and what they're doing. It's just a really great opportunity for us. I can imagine. So with all the with the whole process being face-to-face time with letting people come in and pick up books or being at fairs and them grabbing books, what changed for you guys during the shutdowns in 2020? Did you just shut down completely? Were you able to adapt and find ways to continue serving your community? We're at the mercy of our landlord and they shut down completely for several months. We thankfully had the opportunity to still be able to get into the space ourselves. And we worked with some community partners to do kind of, at first it was drive by shopping. So literally you would tell Mm -hmm. us what genre you wanted. We had a bag already made up. You didn't get to choose. And we kind of chucked it in your backseat as you drove by. We did some of those. We did some just outdoor outdoor shopping at a number of different locations. Some of our partners in the area were willing to open up their parking lots to us. Uh, We did everything from a church to an insurance company. And so we did have some opportunities when we were able to get back into our space. We were very limited with the number of people, how long they would were allowed to be in the building. So mm-hmm. we had people waiting two and three hours to come in and shop for 20 minutes for a number of months. But people waited. It was amazing. Yeah. People didn't come and they didn't turn away. Like they would, they came and they stayed because yeah. they wanted those books. So yeah. we came back to full capacity last year in January. So we had almost nine months of restrictions. Um, and we just, we haven't looked back. We've just continued to expand our hours and expanded the opportunities. We do provide some accommodations for people who are maybe more concerned or they have health concerns or they might not be able to be as mobile to get around within our bookstore. And we do have slower times of the day. So we do encourage people who have those concerns to be able to come in during those times because we want it to be a comfortable experience for everyone. I like that. That's great. I think I kind of like the uh, mystery bag of books. Uh That sounds fun. (laughs) It was a lot of fun putting them together. Yeah. Was there anything else that you wanted to tell us about Embrace before we talk about your podcast? I mean, it's it's amazing. I could talk about it um, all day long. We have a Facebook page. So Mm -hmm. it's facebook.com slash embrace books. And you can see videos and images of our space of the different kinds of books that we get in and some of the stories from people who, you know, have really been impacted by what we do. We don't always hear all the stories, but we know that we're making a difference. One of the biggest indicators in literacy and children loving books is having access to books in the home. Yeah. And when you have a tight budget or no budget, if you're just getting by, books are not on that list, right? Mm -hmm. Library fines are not in that list. You may have a job that doesn't allow you to get to these places. And so we're just excited to be a resource uh, to our community and to the organizations in our community that are going into people's homes and are interacting with the public to really make a difference in those things. I love that. I don't know what they are from in our community, like what they originally housed. But here in Cedar Rapids, there's a bunch of just small buildings, like really tiny, just on corners, probably the size of our master bedroom. Some of them, I think, maybe even smaller, like just tiny buildings. And at this point, most of them are either just individual office space for people that are working remotely or I think like a realtor is out of one like an individual realtor and then there's one where there's two haircut chairs and it's this little barber shop so tiny spaces but I always tell my oldest daughter when we drive by I'm like one of these days 
I'm going to have one of these buildings and it's just going to be a little free library for the community. And it's going to be within walking distance of all these kids because a lot of them are close to school districts. Mm -hmm. And I wonder what they were originally. I want to do some research just because I'm always curious, but I, I definitely, this is renewing that desire where I'm just like, oh man, there's so many neighborhoods where there's these little buildings that are just waiting for somebody to do something with them because a lot of them are, are currently empty. But that's mm-hmm. that's beautiful that you you did that. And I'm I'm so happy for you that your husband was just the wind beneath your wings on that and was just like, do it. Like, do you want to do it? Do it. That's that's how Eric is with with three shelving Alexandria and, and the podcast. He's just like helping me along and doing all the tech and making it actually possible to be following these these childhood dreams of mine to be connecting people with good books. So I'm really excited for you that you have the opportunity to do that on the scale that you do. That's so exciting. Yeah. And then thank you so much for the opportunity just to talk about it. We we love sharing our story. Yeah, I, I love hearing it. And I, I hope that it encourages other people to to do that first step, right? To just have some books and start giving them away. And everybody can just be a book fairy in their in their own way. In the, I, I was thinking, I was like, you know, I know in the Facebook groups when people give books away, a lot of times they're referred to as book fairies. But I was like, I just, I feel like yours is something entirely different. <laughs> I can't think of what you what you would be called, but I feel like you are the um, you're the fairy just dragging the castle around. Like it's not like you've got your little bag of books. You've got this like giant castle full of books. So it's like just, the book fairy queen. Yeah, something. There we go. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> So, so you have this ability to get books into people's houses, and then through your podcast, you have the ability to get stories straight into people's homes being read aloud, and I think that's fantastic. Also, like you were saying, for literacy, the ability to hear stories being read aloud. So could you tell us about your process in jumping into that project? And I'm really curious how you choose, because there's so many public domain books available, and I would just – I would probably freeze up and just be like, I can't even – I can't decide. There's too many options. I can't even start until I pick the perfect one. So what's what's your ability to jump that hurdle and just start reading? So when during the lockdown, when we weren't able to leave our homes, I really had just missed all of the opportunities that I had to connect with mm-hmm. people and to connect with our community. Um, you know, I was missing the work we were doing with Embrace Books. And so one day I said, you know, I have all of these books in my house because obviously uh, I love books. And I said, you mm-hmm. know, some of these books I haven't read. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to read a book out loud. We're going to do it on Facebook. And, um, you know, I'm just going to go live every day at the same time. Here's my routine. Um, I'm just going to share this book. Maybe somebody will like it. And it, it turned out, I mean, I had 15 to 20 people mm-hmm. just meeting with me every day to listen to a book. And half of them were adults. And I was reading a children's book. And yeah. they were just like, we love it. We, you know, we're here every day. We're doing our things and we're listening to this. And we love listening to it with our kids. And I was like, man, this is really fun. As things changed and my schedule changed, there really wasn't something I could do consistently every day mm-hmm. um, is show up live at the same time. And so did some research and I decided I was going to launch it as a podcast. Um, so we um, homeschool with a curriculum called Ambleside Online, which uses heavily these public domain, these older books and these great stories. And I really wanted other people to experience some of these stories for themselves that they might not 
go looking for themselves. So some of the books that we choose are books that either we have read through our homeschool process and I've absolutely loved. There are books that other people have recommended to me as well. They say, oh, I really wished I had had this book as an audiobook, and I couldn't mm-hmm. find it anywhere. And so, in fact, we just finished Otto of the Silver Hand by Howard Pyle, uh, which was a great little, great little book. But one of these ladies didn't have access to it, and she really wanted access to it for her kids. They weren't able to read it aloud, but she wanted something for them while they were traveling in the car. So I was able to kind of provide that just as a way of giving back to other people, not only in the homeschool community, but other parents and other people as well, looking for something that's quality and is family friendly that they don't have to worry about screening or paying attention to. You know, it's something they can put on and spend time together as a family. With your podcast, what's the timing? Is there a set time that each podcast is or do you just read one chapter or what is your spacing? It depends on the book. I've done uh, short stories and I've done longer books. Usually, if the chapters are super long, we'll break it up to 15 to 20 minutes. Generally, I try not to go over half an hour per episode because we don't always have all that much time uh, to Mm -hmm. sit down. So I do like to try to keep it either if there's natural breaks in the book to be able to stop or at a, at a certain time, we're just getting ready to start and we're in the middle of a book, but we're, I'm looking at my next one and it's got very, very long chapters. So we're trying to find some really natural breaks within that so that we can break it up and make it more accessible. Yeah, that's great. So if somebody is using Ambleside online, which is a Charlotte Mason curriculum, if they're using that for their curriculum or if they want to supplement some books over the summer, they could definitely come and look and see which books you've recorded already and put some of those in their lineup if they want to break for themselves. Or we've talked about how that's a really good thing to do for reading aloud over lunch is listening to an audiobook because everyone's at the table in the same space. I know Amanda actually reads aloud during lunch, which means they read in five minutes because she has to also eat. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, but if you're listening, you don't have to take that break for eating. So that's really good. So you just you're just following a path of things that you've read and things that you've wanted to read is your your main selection process. Yes. And I do so, have patrons then as well who are able as as part of that patron and supporting the work that we do are able to help make those suggestions and things as well. I know there are many books and LibriVox is a great opportunity and a great resource. Uh, but a lot of times, a lot of those books are read by multiple readers. And mm-hmm. so bringing some of these books together in one voice and consistent voice over time uh, is just really important to me. So it's been an absolute thrill discovering some of these books as we're going through and reading. Yeah, I totally agree about the LibriVox uh, not having consistent voices. So tell me, why did you decide not to record on LibriVox, but chose a podcast instead? So actually the LibriVox system is challenging for me. Um, just the, the layout and just the way it goes. Um, it wasn't anything when I was trying to find things for my kids, it was, can I find the right voice and find someone who is understandable? And there are many great ones out there, but it wasn't accessible in a way like a podcast is right. A podcast, Mm -hmm. everybody knows podcasts, you know, how it comes onto your phone or onto your laptop. It's, it's a very, it's a very familiar process. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also is the opportunity too. So if you're, say you're listening it to with your kids, you know, you can set it up and it will continue to play episodes until 
you're ready to be done. It's not something where you have to switch from one thing to another thing. I just wanted to make it as easy and as accessible to people who might not already know of these other resources, just really opening it up to a, a wider community. I appreciate that. And on the LibriVox, and this is part of why I was asking how you were breaking it up in times, is I know some of these books have shorter chapters. And I think it's probably my ADHD, but I cannot handle on a short chaptered book having the LibriVox announcement at the beginning of every single chapter because it's like 30 seconds of reading. And now you're having the announcement again for the next chapter's reader about, you know, this is LibriVox and all of this. I'm just like, it breaks up the flow for me too much. And I just want it to go. So I like the idea of something where even if it's really short chapters, you're just going to read straight through for about 30 minutes. And then Mm -hmm. just having the podcast break at that at that amount of time is something I could handle with patience. I've matured to that ability (laughs) to have a little bit of patience. Other people say they really like the announcements because then their young kids recognize the book and the title and remember it. So I I can see the value. I'm not just ragging on LibriVox and I really appreciate what what they offer to people, the ability to hear these books. But I agree with you. It's very difficult when you're loving a book because it's this older gentleman with a British accent and all of a sudden it's a 12 year old prepubescent boy whose voice is cracking. I've hit books like that and I'm like, what is going on? Like, where did my reader go? I just, I'm, you know, my characters are supposed to sound a specific way. So that's great that you that you offer that. So of the books that you've read that were new to you books, what are some of your favorites from that That's project? Great. I've been doing it since August. And so about half of them have been books that I've already been familiar with. We just re- uh, wrapped up Otto of the Silver Hand. So Howard Pyle is one of my favorite authors. His Robin Same. Hood is, mm-hmm. is one of my favorites. So this was one of his lesser known works. And um, so diving into it and just his language is just very rich and very descriptive. I mean, you understand what the room looks like and how mm-hmm. the air smells and all of that. And so it was really a joy to... It was really, it was really a joy just to kind of experience that. I read that. W- usually, I pre-read a lot of what we do, but that one I actually read through in our recording for the first time. So I was really experiencing the story along with it, and it was just a lot of fun. Do like you that. do the voices? Not intentionally. Um, <laughs> I am not a. I am not a trained voice actor. Well, My kids say trained. I do voices, but <laughs> it's not something that I'm intentionally, um, intentionally doing. Yeah. (laughs) I love voices. I have a hard time when doing read alouds with consistency. Like I can be very consistent during that read aloud. But then the next time when we come back to the book, the kids will be like, that's not what she sounded like last time. (laughs) It's like, I'm doing the best I can to remember. (laughs) My husband does not love reading because he's dyslexic, but he actually really likes reading out loud to other people. And he does all the voices and it's amazing. For someone and he also really he, Matt has a voice for reading. Like he could be a radio announcer, just the very deep mm-hmm. tones that people like to listen to. So, but yeah, good voices come from that. <laughs> but so, so before your reading project, what were just three of your favorite books? Ooh, favorite. It's hard to narrow it down. It really um, is. It's to, an to, unfair to question. My favorite one. <laughs> Uh, so I guess if I had to pick three, uh, Lord of the Rings is probably one of my top favorites. Like if I had to pick one, that would be 
my one. And we're um, generous enough to include the entire series I, as one yeah. book. <laughs> well, it, it is one book. It is yes. one book broken into three volumes. But so that Jane Eyre is another favorite. Uh, Charlotte mm-hmm. Bronte is it's different. That book for me, uh, loved it as a teenager, loved it as a kid. And now as an adult, I love it for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I've matured, I've had kids, I've lived life. And so mm-hmm. I see it from a very different perspective. Yeah. So I love that it's still relevant to me and all of that. For a th- oh, third one, it's so hard because I have so many, but I'm going to cheat and do a whole series. And that's C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy. It's one of his lesser no- lesser known works, but just absolutely delightful science fiction without being full of tropes and, and full of nonsense. Like it's actually good, serious literature um, and it's just enjoyable to read. Yeah. I mean, it was like before most of the tropes were invented, right? It's true. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, no risk of being influenced by any of those. That's great. So what are, what are some of the books that you're currently reading? Or just finished that you really enjoyed? Yeah. So right now I'm in the middle of a series by DJ McHale, which is a, he's a young adult author. I'm going to have to think of the name of it. So it's called Storm, actually. I brought it so I could remember the name of it. It's the <laughs> second uh, in, a, in, a ser- in a trilogy. It's a young adult dystopian. I really enjoy dystopian fiction. So like I could... We could do a whole podcast just on dystopian <laughs> picks for young adults, but that's really uh, something I enjoy. So right now I'm reading that. It's really super light and just it's my fun, enjoyable. I can take 10 minutes and I'm not mad if I get interrupted in the middle of it. Yeah, that is great. So we're going to take you up on that offer and we will be in the future doing a whole podcast on dystopian YA and we will have you back for that. I am here for it. <laughs> That's great. I used to read a lot of dystopian and I haven't in ages, so I don't know what is the new stuff that's good. Yeah, it's it's so odd when you loved something at one point and then you came away from it. I recently started reading fairy tale retellings with ML Farb's books when I read Vasilisa. I was like, why have I been away from these for so long? I love them. So that's kind of how I'm feeling about dystopia. And I'm getting ready to introduce more of that to my my teenager. And I was like, I should read some of the stuff that that's more current. So that'll be that'll be fun. So where can people find your podcast? So you can find the Enchanted Library on any of the major podcast platforms. Um, we also have a Facebook page that, in theory, updates every time we have a new episode out. So you can find us at facebook.com slash Enchanted Library. Very nice. And then the other question that we try to ask everybody, typically at the beginning, but I was just like tunnel vision on the whole books thing. <laughs> I just <laughs> wanted to talk about it. Um, have you always loved reading? Or did you have a a different path? I have always loved reading. I was really blessed with parents that loved to read and encouraged us to read. Mm -hmm. I had a library card very early on. I think I read every volume in my little hometown library several times. And I was just really blessed to have people in my life that really encouraged reading and encouraged me to read things that maybe were unexpected. So I was challenged to read things above my grade level. I was challenged to read things that maybe weren't the kinds of things I was interested in, but it was Mm -hmm. good for me to do. And I still continue that to this day. In addition to reading the fun things, I'm always trying to read something that will teach me something new or somebody else's perspective because it really is a way to expand my own world. Yeah, it is. When you 
when you mentioned that you grew up with people encouraging you to read. And then earlier when you were talking about childhood literacy being so influenced by early reading it, I was talking to someone earlier this week about Dr. Ben Carson and the fact that his mother was illiterate. Most people, a lot of people know this story, but his mother was illiterate, but she required that he read for a certain amount of time every day. And she would read with him, which meant for her, she would sit there with a book and she would turn the pages at the time period she thought you should turn a page and he did not realize until he was an adult that she was illiterate and i just i always am so impressed with her her dedication to his education and with him being able to do the best that he could do that she was willing to set the example even in areas that weren't her own strength and so i try to remember that in my life that i can set examples for my kids even in areas that aren't my strength and just just even the example of faithfulness, right? So she had the faithfulness of discipline to sit there with a book for an hour or however long it was, whether she could read it or not. And I, I find that highly inspirational. But I'm really happy for you that you had those adults in your life as a kid and that it grew up into Embrace Books and the Enchanted Library podcast. And we really appreciate your time with us today, Talia. Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity. I always love talking books with people, so this is a dream come true for me. Yeah, it's a dream true for us to be able to talk to people <laughs> about books and so yeah. many interesting people that we are just really excited that when we reached out and asked you if you'd come and talk to us about this, that you were really excited and willing to do that. So thank you to all of our listeners for being with us today. Again, you can find Embrace Books on Facebook and the same with Enchanted Library Podcast and then You can find um, more details on finding the podcast on different podcast providers from the Facebook group. And we appreciate your time with us today. And remember that the stories are truer than true. And if you would like to support what we're doing here, we would love it if you would subscribe or click to follow. And we will see you next time. Mm -hmm.